0: an age where tech dominates our lives we spend so much time on technology i believe honestly christians need to face the facts and that is whether we like it or not social media is a big part of the public square of the day It's not just a social club to share our thoughts and opinions with like-minded people. No, it's a place where we interact with other flesh and blood humans. And for the Christian called to represent Jesus and to help point others to him, in many situations, social media can either make or break our Christian witness. Now, honestly, in a lot of ways, I personally hate social media. I find it to be an environment that's full of vanity, self-promotion, endless political opinions and rants, anger, outrage. It's a hard environment, and yet it's a mission field that I constantly find myself in. And here's the thing, quite often, the way that people interact on social media, they act like it's the Wild West. There seems to be no set of rules for engagement, and especially for the Christian, they're left with really the world as the example of how to operate on social media. And it's because of this that I've developed a conviction that pastors need to do more to shepherd Christians on how to represent Jesus well on this mission field. Now, I'm a pastor, and I often find myself on this mission field, even though it's not my favorite mission field to be in. And so because of that, I want to use this opportunity to share an experience that I had recently. And the reason I want to share it is because it's very real. It's an interaction I had with somebody in a comment section. And just full disclosure, I came very close to utterly failing at representing Jesus. But thankfully, the Lord helped me navigate the situation. And I want to share this story because I think it may help you, whether you're a pastor, a youth pastor, young adults leader, or even just a Christian, because what is a Christian if not a missionary? You don't have to be on staff at a church to be a missionary. We are all called to represent Christ and spread his gospel. So with that, let's get into what happened. So it all started with a meme. <laughs> Which, let's be honest, that's how most of these social media interactions these days start. It's with a meme. Memes are apparently the primary way that we are communicating theological thoughts and cultural commentary these days. I'm not sure how you feel about that. I'm not too thrilled about it. But it is what it is. So the meme in question came from an account on Instagram called Honest Youth Pastor. Which is an account that I've been following for years The guy behind it started it back in 2013, and the account focuses a lot on theology and critique of some of the pitfalls of modern Christianity, and the meme in question that I'm going to talk about was focusing on a critique of this phenomena of ex-vangelicalism. If you don't know, to be an ex-vangelical is to be somebody who used to be an evangelical Christian, and now you are no longer. You're an ex-vangelical. And that's not a term that self-righteous Christians judging people who have left the faith came up with. That's a term that seems to be embraced by a lot of people who have walked away from Christianity. When they post on social media about why they left the church and how the church hurt them in ways that they doubt the institution of the church or the Bible or scripture, a lot of times they will punctuate their post with the hashtag exvangelical. So here's what the meme was. I <laughs> I can't believe I'm about to uh, explain a meme on a podcast, but uh, that's, that's where we are now, folks. So as you know, a podcast is not a visual medium. So I am going to try to describe this meme to you. And in order to do that, I have to ask the question, how many of you have seen the classic 90s cartoon, Captain Planet? I honestly watched, I think maybe five episodes when I was a kid, but Basically, what I remember was there was a bunch of kids with magic rings and when they put their magic rings that all had some sort of individual power, like the power of earth or wind or fire or something, they put their rings together and then it conjured or summoned this magical superhero named Captain Planet who was all about trying to save the environment. I'll play the clip of when they all combine their forces together and it produces Captain Planet. Here's what it sounds like. Situation is more than we can handle, Planet. We need help. You mean... Exactly. We must do as a Gaia advised. We must combine our powers. Let's do it! Let our powers combine. Earth! Uh. Fire! Wind! Water! by your powers combined i am captain Captain planet 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 all right so uh there you have it captain planet powers combining to produce something else that's the structure of the meme i hope i'm not ruining the meme they always say if you have to explain a meme it loses its humor but The point of this episode, I guess, isn't to laugh at the meme. It's to discuss it. So, (laughs) okay, let's keep going. So you've got the framework in mind. Let me share the actual meme with you now. So the picture on the meme is all of the Planeteer kids, and they've got their magic rings, and they're standing in a circle combining their powers, and their powers are unoriginality, hatred for God, Biblical illiteracy, using mostly straw men, and motivated by <laughs> butt hurt, is what the meme says. And what does it produce? Not Captain Planet, but exvangelical rants. Uh, Yeah, I, I, I saw that meme. A lot of people liked it. A lot of people thought it was funny. I saw the humor in it, but the thing I struggled with is as a former youth pastor, who himself was a pastor's kid, who grew up in the church, who grew up in evangelicalism, and who walked with a group of teenagers through Christianity and evangelicalism from sixth grade till graduation, I recognize in this moment that there are a lot of young people who are struggling with their faith. There are a lot of young people who are wrestling with American evangelicalism. There are a lot of young people who are going through this phenomena that is quite common and I've even experienced to some extent, where you grow up in the church and you see the world with rose-colored glasses and all the Bible stories make sense and you're watching Veggie Tales and... You know, Sunday school, you're being taught the lessons on the flannel graph and everything just seems so simple and you have this real childlike faith. But then as you get older and as the world gets more complex and you start being exposed to other beliefs and other systems and other worldviews, And then as you get older, you start to see some of the failures of the church. You start to see Christians acting wrongly, Christians not living out the way of Jesus, but instead really making a mockery of the name of Jesus in their quests for money or fame or political power or whatever. And on top of that, you add just the last five or six years, which have been very hard years for our world. I and a lot of other pastors I know find myself in this place where I see people wrestling. I see people struggling. I see people who've been hurt by the church, who've been wounded by the church, who've been wounded by Christianity and let down by Christianity. Not let down by Jesus, but let down by people who were supposed to represent Jesus to them, really failing that mission, which is something that produces so much hurt and frustration. I don't know if you've ever had the experience of looking up to people that you looked at as heroes and then you find out that they're actually villains (laughs) they let you down they wound you they hurt you but this is the experience of many people who have grown up in the church this is the experience of many people there is so much disillusionment there is this pandemic of loss of faith happening right now. I think Brian Zond in his book, When Everything is on Fire, explains the situation well. He says, The ethos of our age might be described as the felt absence of God. Something has been lost, and in the Western world, Christianity is in decline. Most denominations are losing membership, and the fastest growing religious category in America is nuns for Christians who, in their anxiety and frustration, recklessly frame this phenomena in culture war terms, this has produced considerable consternation. But their culture war-induced rage only adds fuel to the fire of post-Christian attitudes. Being angry with modern people for losing their faith is like being angry with medieval people for dying of the plague so good and and so true. And so as I was reading this meme, it wasn't that I thought the meme was wrong. There is truth found in it. I myself have read quite a few rants by angry, burned out, jaded former Christians, ex-evangelicals. And yeah, I mean, there is truth. Some of those have been unoriginal. Some of those have contained hatred for God. Some of those have contained a great amount of biblical illiteracy or containing tons of straw men or being mainly motivated by hurt. But the thing that struck me was as I was reading the comments on this post, I just noticed this thing that I noticed in online Christianity, which is just something I call the older brother syndrome. And what I mean by that is you have in the the story of the prodigal son, right? You have the kid who leaves, he betrays his father, he goes and wastes his father's fortune. Which is wrong. But then you have the older brother who is prideful and who is basically judging his younger brother and saying, Man, my younger brother's such an idiot. Why does my father even love him? The focus should be on me. I'm the one who stayed, I'm the righteous one. I'm the one who never, ever disobeyed my father or betrayed him. I am the holy one. And I just get that spirit. I sense that spirit in so many of these comment sections because I see people, they they see these memes and and, and a meme is a way of condensing an entire nuanced conversation into a post that you read in less than 30 seconds. And so the comment sections are just just full of this spirit and attitude of, oh yeah, those ex-evangelicals, oh yeah, those... Those former Christians, they're so foolish. This is so accurate. They need to get their act together. And 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 really, you know, a, a meme is meant to mock and the comment sections are just full of people mocking those who have left the faith for various reasons. And my thing is, yeah, I don't want people to leave the faith. In fact, it breaks my heart to see people leave the faith. It breaks my heart to see people, even people that I baptized, struggling with their faith or walking away from their faith. As a as a youth pastor, as somebody who loves people, as somebody who has centered most of their adult life on trying to shepherd people in the way of Jesus, watching people walk away from their faith is heartbreaking. Yet, I truly believe that this is not the end of the story for so many and that Jesus is working to win people back and woo people back and draw people back to himself. And he has called us as the church to be a part of that process. He is called to help us have the heart of the shepherd who leaves the 99 and goes after the one lost sheep. I struggle so much with in our quest in christian social media circles to push back against ex-evangelicalism and to push back against progressive christianity and all of these different things sometimes we can swing so hard and mock so hard and focus so much on just cracking jokes that the people actually struggling with these issues feel mocked and hated and pushed away That's my heart that's where I'm at and it was interesting there was one person in the comments who pointed out yeah this meme is really insensitive to my friends who I know who were actually sexually assaulted by people from their church by leaders from their church and, and when I read that comment I was just like, ah oh, yeah you know this is um, this is there's some truth here and i you know i don't normally make it my job to be the meme police or the tone police but in this moment i i wanted to just contribute to the discussion and not to say oh this meme is wrong this meme is stupid i'm against this meme i actually respect honest youth pastor I don't always agree with him, but then again, I don't always agree with mostly everybody that I respect. So, um, but yeah, you know, I I, um, I respect Honest Youth Pastor for what he does. I think he is way more balanced and nuanced than a lot of other people. So, I decided to jump into the comment section and leave a comment, not as an attack against Honest Youth Pastor, but more I just wanted to get people in the comment section thinking about a different side of the conversation. All right, so here is what I said. I posted my first comment, and I said this. Hey friend, this is a topic that I think about a lot as a former youth pastor who's seeing a lot of his students sadly get swept up into this ex-evangelical thing in their early 20s. It is heartbreaking, for sure. I mean, I recognize there are several different parties at play in this cultural moment. For instance, you have A, those with a chip on their shoulder and a genuine hatred for God that are capitalizing on this moment to lead people away from Christianity. B, those who have experienced legitimate church abuse or hurt that left them disillusioned and primed for group A to exploit them. C, people wrestling through legitimate doubts about their faith, D, compassionate pastors who want to hear the pain of groups B and C while trying to expose the lies of group A, and E, Christians who focus on fighting group A so much they end up pushing away groups B and C in the process. It's obviously much more complicated than that, but can you speak into that paradigm at all? What are ways that you've found to be effective in actually reaching people struggling in this moment? And do you ever feel the memes and sarcastic humor can have a negative effect because those in the struggling group are very sensitive to anything they perceive as Christians being self-righteous or in denial of their own issues. Also, there's one more thing I failed to mention, but I want to add this for context because I know it's very important. The guys that I know who are in Group D, the compassionate pastors, they operate with a goal bigger than just listening to the struggles and pain of those deconstructing. No, the goal is always to help people process through that pain and doubt and eventually land in a place where they are committed to Christ. It's a firm commitment to love, but also truth not compromising either. Just thought that was important to add because social media makes it really easy for us to misjudge what people say if there's a lack of clarity. All right, so I left the comment and it seemed to resonate with a lot of people. There was about 45 people that liked the comment, which made me feel good. It was like, oh, great. I'm adding to the discussion and I'm speaking in a way that... I feel is helping people think through this. I got some good responses. One commenter said, I agree, I've met people belonging to each of these groups. Group A so often hides behind the others that it's difficult to address the needs of the others. I thought that was a great comment. Uh, He went on to say that's what makes it hard to address this issue from a pulpit or large social media platform, as I'm sure you already recognize. Real results will come from honest conversations with individuals. It's not fair of us to expect church leaders or influencers to do the work, but maybe they could work on how they equip others to do the work. So great comment. Totally agree with that. Another commenter had this to say. Though I agree comment threads are horrible places to have conversations, I think that memes are also opportunities for Christians to learn. Your analysis, Aaron, of groups B and C sort of make them seem like they're one and done. Like, ugh, I got hurt once at church and I'm, you know what, I'm never going to process it. I'm just going to bash the church and all the Christian social media accounts now as revenge. And then he says, if the people in these groups are truly saved, they will be sanctified and their minds renewed and so grounded and assured in the word and the gospel that no meme or comment can shake them ever again. I've seen a real example of this vengeance and it's toxic, hateful, and unforgiving. So here is my response to that. I said to him, hey, good points, man. I'd say that, again, it's it's nuanced and complex. Groups B and C have both... A, people who are saved but deeply wounded by the church and B, people who grew up in the church but never actually gave their life to Christ and then being hurt by their church experience has now pushed them away from actually accepting Jesus. Now, I'm, I'm not a Calvinist nor an Arminian, But I believe that Jesus knew before the creation of the world who would accept his free gift of salvation. And so he is moving towards those people that he foresaw would receive salvation. For us, though, we're called to be a part of the process to help them draw near to Jesus. And so my heart breaks for those who have wandered. And I think of the shepherd, right, who goes after the one sheep who strays. In the Gospels, I see a compassionate Jesus who meets people where they are at, reasons with them in love, points them away from sin and to truth. That's what I'm after. And I think honestly, Christian meme and influencer culture is driven by doing whatever scores the most points or AKA likes in the culture war. And that usually just means making fun of the other side for laughs. I will say though that usually honest youth pastor does a good job and I respect his efforts way more than most because he absolutely treats this as a ministry and not just something to grow a platform. You can often see him reasoning with people in the comments and being pretty open-handed towards those who disagree. So I totally respect that. Now, there were several other positive comments that were helpful and added to the discussion and some good back and forth, but I want to focus now on a really negative comment and what happened after I read that really negative comment. All right. So I am going through the conversation. People are responding to me. I'm responding to them. For the most part, it's going great. And then I get to this comment and it totally caught me off guard. Was not what I was expecting. Here's what the guy said. Aaron, imagine if Jesus let people like you stop him from bashing on the hypocrites. Stop catering to this soft generation. You're a big part of the problem, even though you think you're in the right. Oh, man. (laughs) When I read that, uh, it just, it killed me. It was like, (laughs) you see, here's something you need to understand about me. One of the things that frustrates me the most in ministry is being misunderstood and being accused of things that I do not think are fair or accurate. I know it's just, it's a part of the territory. (laughs) It's just a part of being somebody in ministry. This happens all the time, but I can't deny that it stings when it does. And it's frustrating. And as I was looking at this comment, this guy's saying basically, Aaron, all you're doing is catering to this soft generation. If Jesus were here, he would be bashing on all these ex-evangelicals. He would be calling them hypocrites and raining down condemnations on them. And and you, Aaron, this pastor, trying to speak up with some nuance and with some love, you are just a part of the problem. You're making things worse and you need to be hard, but instead you're soft and weak and you're a weak pastor and a weak leader. That's what I got (laughs) out of that comment. That's how it hit me. And it, it, it was frustrating. I'll tell you that. So now I'm left with the question of how am I going to reply to this person? And My strategy most of the time is to try to be diplomatic and to try to be kind and understanding of where someone's coming from. I will admit there was some frustration in me as I was preparing to comment. And the strategy I decided to take in this moment was, this is a person who seems overly concerned with soft pastors and soft leaders and so let's let's talk about that a little bit. So here, here's what I said to him in my first reply. And I don't normally speak this strongly, but this is an area I feel strongly about because I can't tell you how many times I've had people look at what I'm saying and accuse me of being too loving and too soft. The way to fix that is to be hard and condemning and come down crashing on sinners But where I'm coming from is understanding that the scripture tells us it's God's kindness that leads to repentance. And so I decided in this response to be a little bit more firm than I normally am. So here's what I said to him. I said, my friend, the soft ones are the ones who take the easy way out and wage verbal wars against flesh and blood when scripture tells us our enemies are the dark forces behind the scenes. The hard path is enemy love. The hard path is gentleness. The hard path is meekness, which is power under control. The hard path is truth and love. It's much easier to mock, but that is the soft and weak path. The hard road is modeled for us by Christ. And then I added in another comment, For clarification, I've heard some terrible rants coming from ex-evangelicals. I fully acknowledged in my original comment that there are opportunists seizing upon this moment to lead people away from Jesus by stoking the fires of frustration and cynicism about Christianity and the church. To your point, yeah, Jesus harshly critiqued hypocritical religious leaders like the Pharisees. However, his posture towards lost sheep was much different. As leaders, we must navigate the balance between the two. Okay, so I said my piece, I defended my position, I put it out all on the table and I even tried to be diplomatic and to acknowledge that he had some points and I understood where he was coming from, but I thought he was wrong in his application of his position and for assuming that I was trying to coddle non-believers rather than trying to apply the principles of truth and love. So I threw it all out there and I sat at my keyboard and I waited for his response. Then this is the response I got. He said, you're absolutely right, bro. Now I will drown in shame. I'll do better. Thanks for your words. God bless. Okay, so when I read those words, This is how I interpreted them. I thought this guy was being sarcastic and just basically saying, Whatever, Pastor Aaron, you're an idiot. I am gonna just end the conversation and bow out because I think you're stupid. Because when I was reading his words, I mean, I I just I, I read it as sarcasm. He said, I'm gonna go drown in shame. I'll do better. So I'm reading this, I'm just sensing all of this sarcasm, you know, like he's, he's saying, I'm going to go drown in shame, which just sounds, you know, hyperbolic and sarcastic. And then he says, I'll do better, which in social media land is kind of a common liberal expression. When you're scolding someone and telling them that they're not living up to society standards, you say, Oh, you know, you need to do better. So when I read his words, I was sensing this sarcasm. You know, I'm going to go drown in shame. I'll do better. Quote unquote. Thanks for your words. God bless you know, just it just read as dismissive. And I just thought, oh, man, this guy. <laughs> so here, here is where I hit this major crossroad. I'm reading all this sarcasm in his comment. I was so tempted to write an even more sarcastic comment back at him. I was so tempted to just write this guy off and treat him like he was some backwards, narrow minded, legalist, fundamentalist Christian. And I was just, I mean, I could feel inside of me this frustration. And I was so ready to unleash it on this guy with my own sarcasm. But then I sensed the Holy Spirit speaking to me and saying, Aaron. You tell other people how to be a good witness and a good example on social media. Don't you think it's important that you practice what you preach? Don't you think it's important that you are not a jerk as much as you don't want other people to be jerks? And as much as you feel like this guy is being a jerk to you, what about turning the other cheek? What about loving your enemies? And uh, I mean, I was just filled with shame at what I was tempted to do. Filled with regret at my own flesh and humanity. I don't know about you as a Christian, but I would love to be perfect. I would love to be the perfect human and always be kind and always be generous with people and always show them love and always turn the other cheek and always love my enemies. But the reality is I am not that person. I am very flawed. And as much as I am passionate about the way of Jesus and trying to model how we interact in the world after the way Jesus does, I fall short so many times. So I was so thankful for the Holy Spirit speaking and I decided to listen. So I deleted the comment in my mind that I wanted to leave, which I won't share here because it wouldn't be productive. And instead I wrote this comment. I said to my sarcastic friend, Haha, the sarcasm is strong with this one. Bro, I'm offering you my stance on the issue. I'm not trying to shame anyone. I'm open to dialogue. You don't need to bow out at the first sign of a view that is opposite to your own. Smiley face. Still a little sassier than I had hoped, but not dripping with the sarcasm and frustration that my original plan would have had. And then I tacked on to the end. In all seriousness, I'm very open to hearing about how I could possibly be a part of the problem. Because I know I have blind spots. Side note to the audience listening, this is true. I have said before on this show many times, I know that I am a pastor and a leader who is much more oriented towards grace than the law. And so there have been times I've had solid friends point out to me, Aaron, you need to be a little less soft on this issue and to actually speak up for what is truth. So that is an area I am always trying to navigate. That's an area I want to grow in. I don't want to have those blind spots. I want to be somebody who can communicate truth and stand up for truth, but to do it in a way that is bending over backwards, to be loving towards others. That's what I'm about. That's my DNA. That's what I'm going for. And so I I said to this guy, uh, you know, I'm open to hearing about how I'm a part of the problem. I know I have blind spots. If you're open to sharing your view, I'm open to listening. You have the floor, my friend. So left the comment, stepped away, thought, what is this guy going to say next? Well, what he said next (laughs) totally shocked me. Here's what he said. He said, ha ha, except, uh, yeah, it's not sarcasm, Aaron. I wrote before I thought on the first comment. You corrected my view and I thank you for it. I kid you not, I'm still on a learning path. Oh my gosh, (laughs) this floored me. This is so rare to see somebody actually admit they were wrong about something on a social media comment thread. It's like finding the legendary Loch Ness monster. It's nearly impossible (laughs) because it's like the concept of it doesn't exist. And yet here was this guy that was actually not being sarcastic at all. And I totally in my flesh wrote him off and misunderstood what he was trying to communicate. I read sarcasm into his comment when it wasn't actually there. And yeah, his original comment was a little nasty, but after I was responding to what he said, his response was one of humility. It was one of a guy, a Christian brother, who recognized that he was in the wrong and owned up to it and was willing to learn from somebody else. This just blew my mind. I was so impressed by the humility of this guy, to admit that he's still on a learning path. It it was something that made me look at my comments and just wish that I would've had the same humility as this guy. And, and, And so he went on to say this, this is another comment he left. He said, yeah, Aaron, I told you that you're a part of the problem, but the truth is I'm part of the problem. Ignoring your words would be a fool's deed. I'm grateful for your correction man, like I said, this kind of stuff hardly ever happens in comment sections online. I was blown away. I was humbled by his humility. And yeah, I mean, (laughs) this was an interesting moment that I am happy to be able to share with you. And so uh, here's how our conversation continued. I said to the guy, oh, (laughs) well, uh, man, I apologize. I am so used to endless sarcasm on this platform. I'm so shocked to hear you receive a correction so gracefully. Thank you for that. Let me say something, when I read your first comment, I actually understood where you're coming from, I think. There are, indeed, many pastors who refuse to challenge people about their sin and preach a gospel of cheap grace and easy believism. That's absolutely a problem. Because I, as a pastor, often take a posture of grace, I am very often accused of being the kind of pastor who is soft on sin. It's very easy to be misunderstood on social media. I try to encourage all believers to work hard to balance their ratios of truth and love. Without truth, we cannot truly love others because we will enable them to embrace lies. But without love, we cannot fully communicate the truth. We won't be heard. We won't be received. We need both. So, man, thank you for reading my comment and actually considering what I said. That is rare. To see these days. Blessings to you on your journey with Jesus. I love your passion for truth, and I am praying that Jesus continues to grow your love for those struggling with the lies. And then he responded Aaron, God bless you in your ministry, my bro. Thanks for your comment and your edifying words. And yes, you do understand where I was coming from, but again, I spoke too soon. I'm usually calm, cool, and collected. But when I originally left the comment, I was hungry. Oh my gosh, dude, that, that was so funny to me. Like he was admitting that he was hangry. <laughs> that was great. That was awesome. He was admitting that his, his human nature, his hunger, his irritability influenced the way he communicated online in leaving a comment. W- what transparency this guy had such a beautiful thing to see, honestly. My last comment to him in response was, I think The best takeaway from this thread for me is I need to remember to not comment on controversial posts when I'm hungry or hangry. Thanks for your humility, bro. And and also, please feel no shame. You don't need to drown in shame, my friend. We are all learning and growing, and I think it's so valuable for us to be able to discuss these things as followers of Jesus without being at each other's throats. I appreciate pushback when I get it because it gives me a chance to evaluate if what I'm saying is actually true. I am very aware that it's so easy for pastors to become a part of the problem. And honestly, I am constantly asking Jesus to keep me on the path of being a part of the solution, not a part of the problem. Now, I know we need to wrap this up, but I just want to share even further. I was so blessed. The guy went even further, and he actually reached out and sent me a direct message. And yes, I got his permission to share all of this. He's actually excited that we're going to be talking about this on the podcast. I just want to share what he messaged me because there is some brilliance in this. There is some brilliant observations for all of us, including myself, on the nature of social media and social media interactions on the Christian heart and soul. So here's what he said. Hey bro, I just wanted to reach out and let you know, I I try to always place myself in other perspectives. I'm usually good at it and I can usually be quite understanding, at least in person. However, social media platforms I feel help enable a dark side of humanity, or at least give us a clearer perspective into the hearts of man. It's like a trap. You're able to voice an opinion in the matter of a second with no sense of responsibility or possible consequences. Sometimes the darker side of me speaks without caring what people might think. Oh man, just incredible that he's admitting that. He went on to say, constant introspection has allowed me to see this about myself with the help of the Holy Ghost. I know you were probably looking for more constructive criticism, positive feedback, positive pushback, and if I had been in any other state, I might have given it to you, but not today. Like I said, I was hungry. However, when I had read your reply, I had just eaten some shrimp tacos, so I was myself again. (laughs) Amazing. And then he said, also, on another note, your words were well executed and to the point. May God continue to bless you with wisdom and understanding. So so good. We went on to talk and at the end of it somebody who started out as an enemy in the comment sections is now a new friend that I hope to stay in contact with. We talked about the whole thing and I asked him, hey, would it be okay if I shared this experience on my podcast? I think that it would be beneficial to people just to hear about how you and I both had some of our dark side come out in this conversation, but how the power of the Lord, the reconciling power of the Holy Spirit actually brought us together. And he was totally stoked about that, totally excited to share this conversation. And, you know, here's the thing. I just want to point out again how easy it is to fall into that trap. It's exactly what he's saying. Social media, it brings out this dark side in us, this dark side that just forgets How to interact with other humans in a way that is loving. How to interact with other humans in a way that factors in their humanity and what they're going through. And that they're a person, not an enemy to fight, not a battle to be won, but they're actually someone to be loved i've talked about it before in the episode we did in the show called the way of the peacemaker that talked about how christians can be peacemakers in these sort of online conflicts And in that older episode, I talked about the concept of how social media trains us to defend our digital honor. We're standing on this platform on this digital stage in front of a ton of people reading our comments. And there's this temptation to stand up for yourself and defend your honor and win the fight and defeat the other person with cold, hard facts and logic, because facts don't care about your feelings or whatever. I have watched for years people that normally are even respectable pastors of churches dissolve into total and utter jerks in the social media comment sections. It's something I've been preaching about and preaching against for years because I think it's important not to shame or demean pastors, but to try to help equip and train pastors and this is coming from somebody who is a pastor himself i think this is important we as leaders need to watch how we interact with people on these platforms because we have a witness we have a responsibility to represent jesus well the world is watching and seeing how we interact and trying to determine is there a difference between how christians operate in these sort of settings or not and the reality is i was so close to misrepresenting jesus in that moment i was so close to letting my frustration at this commenter and what he was saying and his sarcasm which wasn't even sarcasm but it was just my own perception It was my own misunderstanding of him, assuming it was sarcasm. I almost let all of those things cause me to sink down to the level of where I thought this person was at, which is hilarious because he wasn't even there. (laughs) He said one negative thing and then received a correction and embraced what I had to say and totally changed his tune and admitted that he was wrong and that I was right. And that takes humility. That is huge you know I, I I love these kind of stories because I'm not the hero of this story this isn't like oh look at me and how I operated really this guy is the hero because he made a mistake but then he owned up to it he repented and he modeled for us Christians even leaders of how we are to operate there is such a mindset especially online that you never apologize never back down never Never admit that you're wrong. That's a big thing right now. It's like, oh, anytime you admit that you're wrong, you're just giving in to the mob. You're just giving in to what other people want you to do. And it's like, no, if we do something wrong, if we mess up, if we make a mistake, we ought to own up to it. We ought to model for the rest of the world what repentance looks like. How can we model what repentance looks like if we never repent from anything? And so for for me, my takeaway is, you know, I looked at that moment, that threshold, that crossroad where if I would have become sarcastic, if I would have become rude, he could have gotten offended and he could have maybe even responded back even with more offense and with more sarcasm. And we, we could have just ended up blocking one another, which is... Very often, what happens on these social media battlegrounds? Someone says something sarcastic, someone says something rude, someone mocks someone else, and then the next thing you know, you're blocking people. I've even seen this happen between friends. I've even seen this happen between people who normally love and care about each other in real life, but on social media, we turn into these train wrecks, and the next thing you know, you're blocking your friend that you've known since high school. I think through this whole experience, two big things that stick out to me are the two scripture passages. One, Romans 2.8, which says, do you despise the riches of god's kindness restraint and patience not recognizing that it is god's kindness that is intended to lead you to repentance i love that verse it is so important to me to remember that yes jesus wants us to repent yes he wants us to turn away from our sin but it is because he loves us so much he knows that sin corrupts us it poisons us it ultimately kills us he knows he knows that if he is harsh with us he knows that if he is legalistic with us if he comes across more as the harsh schoolmaster and not the loving father he knows that he is going to just push us away and so he shows an amazing amount of restraint and patience. It is God's kindness that leads so many to repentance. And the other verse that speaks to me on this is James one nineteen. Remember, brothers and sisters, take note. Everyone should be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Such a good reminder for us to be patient, to be kind, and to listen to people and to actually try to understand where they're coming from before we allow ourselves to get angry and then speak in anger. We know the Bible says the tongue is one of the most destructive weapons in the universe and can destroy forests with hellfire that we unleash with our tongues. And you know what? These days, it's not just our tongue, but it's connected to our keyboards, (laughs) our thumbs, what we type, what we write to other people. It's the power of the Word. And we don't want our words to drive people away. We want to actually drive people to the words of Jesus, the words of Christ, the words of God in Scripture. So, I hope this is helpful. I hope this is encouraging. I know this is a little bit of a different episode. For those of you guys listening and wondering, where's Brian Higgins? Do not fear. He will be back eventually. But right now, he is enjoying some very well-earned time with his family and with his new baby, which I am so, so happy for. So for now, we're going to keep going with the podcast. We've got some new episodes we're working on, some new guests that we're booking to be on the show. Thank you so much for listening. You understand, you guys listening, you know we love you and we care about all of you guys who listen. No matter who you are, there's so many different types of people that listen to the show. There's pastors, there's leaders, there's young Christians, old Christians, people in ministry, people not in ministry, except, haha. Everybody's in ministry. You know that if you listen to this show, whether you work at a church or not, you are in ministry, but that is a topic for another time. What I'm trying to say is we're so thankful that you allow us to be a part of the discipleship process for you. We we are so thankful that you come to this show and you let us share the things that God has put on our heart to try to help strengthen up you, the body of Christ. So thanks for listening, and we're praying for you that in your interactions with people, whether they're on social media or off social media, in real face-to-face interactions, which we're hoping that you're getting a lot more of these days, we're praying that you are able to let the Holy Spirit guide you as you interact with other people and that the way of Jesus will drive you to show love and to let kindness and empathy and compassion and winsomeness be the winner of the day and not sarcasm, cynicism, bitterness, or trying to own somebody who has a different view than you. So, Thanks for listening to the good line podcast and we'll see you on the next one.